We got a lot to talk about today. Are you ready? Okay, I'll take that. Silence as a yes. <laughs> Hello, cinephiles, and welcome to Silver Screen Sips, a podcast where two idiots talk about movies. And welcome to season 16. Hooray! Today, we are kicking off the Indiana Jones franchise with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Thank you. I was really hoping that you would do that. (laughs) Uh, Just a reminder, there are spoilers ahead for movies and TV shows that you might not have seen yet. So just know that you've been warned. I will let you guys know up ahead of time. We will be having a shorter news segment for this week in Hollywood because we got to talk about the Oscars. All right. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's that time. Well, speaking of this week in Hollywood, let's start the segment, shall we? Of we shall. This week in Hollywood. Um, alrighty. Starting off with Netflix, everyone's favorite streaming platform that everyone loves so much. Only for $30 a month now. Um, <laughs> Netflix, guess what? has canceled yet another film that has already finished production, furthering a negative streaming trend that people have been noticing. Uh, The sci-fi movie was directed by Halle Berry, started and it started filming back in 2021 and just recently was canceled due to its extended post-production process. Did they not realize there was a strike during and COVID? Oh, whatever. The movie, which was also starring Halle Berry, followed a woman and her children as they uncover a mysterious space object and search for her missing husband. Interesting. The movie was titled The Mothership, and it was written and directed by Matthew Charman and also starred Molly Parker and Amari Hardwick. Unfortunately, it might never see the light of day. Rest in peace. (laughs) Just another project down the hole for tax break. I just don't, I don't get it. I'm pretty sure the trailer's online too, so like you can go watch what will never be. (laughs) If you're interested in that. That is true. Well, in things that should be canceled, uh, just when we thought there might be an end to the Jurassic World franchise, life finds a way when it really shouldn't. (laughs) Despite the most recent Jurassic World Dominion capping off the most recent trilogy in 2022, the studio is looking to start up again with with Jurassic scriptwriter David Cope overseeing development. Cope wrote the Jurassic Park and the Lost World for Steven Spielberg, so the original first two. So we shouldn't expect to see the likeness of Critics, Pat, or Bryce Dallas Howard, Samuel mm. Lerner, or Jeff Goldblum for that matter. <laughs> yeah. Additionally, Frank Marshall, who produced the Jurassic World trilogy, is also on board. Why? Why? It's just why. Who knows? It's all who my knows? Money, but also like the last one was so terrible. Dominion. Dominion. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Jurassic Let's World. See, I don't even want. I don't even want to. I want to forget about Dominion. Yeah. Like Jurassic World, each movie progressively just, got worse. Yeah, so like it was like, oh, that's pretty good. Oh God, no, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was rough when the volcano was erupting and he's running alongside the dinosaurs. I was just, it was a rough time. It was a bad time, bad time in my life. I don't want to think about it. But like, what about the 007 style? Um, mm. <laughs> running on the roof. Yeah, running on the roof. Can't forget that the, one either. The globe trotter. <laughs> anyway. Oh my God. Anyways, let's move on. Um. To our next headline. Now, uh, Mattel seems to be on a pretty big run here after their success with Barbie, because guess what? They're now working on a new movie, except this one's going to be animated, and it is Bob oh. the Builder. 
Yes, oh. Bob the Builder why? is ready for his big silver screen debut. Who knows? Who knows why? The iconic Bob kids the show builder. character. Yay, you can do it. Um, <laughs> the iconic kids show character will be the star of a new animated feature from Mattel. Um, Jennifer Lopez is producing the movie. Okay. While uh, In the Heights star, Anthony Ramos, Ramos will Ramos. voice the title character. Uh, the film follows Bob. Get Okay, listen to this logline. Okay, this is the official logline. And for those who don't know what a logline is, it's basically sums up the movie in one or two sentences. Um, and it's supposed to intrigue you, like an elevator pitch, basically. So, listen to this. The film follows Bob, who travels to Puerto Rico for a major construction job. Audiences will see Bob as he, quote, takes on issues affecting the island and digs deeper into what it means to build. Bob's journey will celebrate the vibrant and colorful textures of the Caribbean Latin nations and their people, end quote. What? <laughs> oh, by the way, Bob the Builder is going to be Latin. I mean, it feels kind of racist. I don't know why, but I feel offended. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, of course the Hispanic is the construction worker. Just come on, seriously, guys? As a Puerto Rican, I don't know why, but I feel offended. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, Felipe Vargas, Felipe, Felipe? Felipe. Felipe Vargas is attached to write the screenplay, <laughs> and I don't know how to fucking say his name, I'm sorry. Uh, but a director has not been announced yet. Um, I'm... I just, I don't know. It seems like a lot. It's 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 a lot to take in. That's for sure. It is. Anyways, moving I on. Am, I'm genuinely. I I when the trailer drops, I can't wait to look at that comment section because it's gonna be a doozy. Now, so, now something a lot of people didn't see coming is Tenet is returning to theaters. Yes, that's right. You can go watch Tenet in IMAX or 70 millimeter, but only for one week. However, it will only be a limited run showing in Atlanta, Austin. Boston, Chicago, Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Annapolis, LA, Montreal, Missouri. So not Canada. <laughs> Sorry, this is just America. Nashville, New Orleans, New York, Philadelphia, Phoenix, San Diego, San Francisco, Seattle, and Washington, D.C. And it'll be happening for one week, February 23rd through the 1st. Interesting. Still haven't seen it. Maybe that'll be my time. Uh, well, you'll be going to Atlanta, Georgia for that. <laughs> oh, true, true. <laughs> Taking a trip. All We're right. As our last headline... It is officially award season, so you know what that means. It's time to talk about the Oscars. But before we dive into that mess, let's talk the Emmys. Here are some of the winners from the Emmys. Just some of the headlines, some of the highlights, if you will. So for Outstanding Drama Series, Succession won. Shocker. For Outstanding Comedy Series, The Bear won. For Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series, Sarah Snook won in Succession. And outstanding lead actor in a drama series was Kieran Culkin as well um, for his role in Succession. Uh, and Succession and The Bear tied for the most wins at the 75th Emmy Awards. So haven't seen either of those shows. Um, My sister should. has seen The Bear. She says it's very, very good. I'm just uh, not a I'm not I'm not a huge TV watcher, like show watcher. Like the only show I think I, I still keep up with is Bob's Burgers. I thought you were gonna say Bob the Builder. <laughs> yes, Bob the Builder. I'm studying for the movie. Bob the Builder of Burgers. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, but that does conclude this week in Hollywood. You can find all of our sources cited on our Discord channel. And now that we are done with that. Uh-huh. 
Let's talk about the Oscars, shall we? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's first, let's just talk about the nominees for some of the bigger nominees, let me say, for, for the categories, mm-hmm. uh, such as Best Picture, Director, and Best Actors and Actresses. So for, uh, we'll just start at the top here. This is on Oscars.org, so you can find all of this here on your own if you want to go take a little look-see. Um, so for actor in our leading role, our nominees are Bradley Cooper and Maestro. He did a good job, in my opinion, but this is a hot take. He felt like he was trying a little too hard to become to be a best actor. You know what I mean? <laughs> didn't, didn't he direct it, too? Yeah, it just felt like he was trying a little hard, in my opinion. Interesting. Um, we also have Coleman Domingo in Rustin. We have Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers. Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer and Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. Those are our actors nominated for a leading role. Uh, now we have actresses in a leading role, which here we go. We have Annette Benning in Nyad. Mm-hmm. Annette. Annette. What did I say? And Nyad. <laughs> I said in Nyad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wait, what? That's the, oh, I thought you were saying, pronouncing her name. No, no, no. Her name's Annette Benning. Yes, but oh, I was saying not, in Nyad. <laughs> what is it? They're like Nyad? 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 Oh, whatever. Her. Oh. Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon. Sandra Huller in Anatomy of a Fall. Or Hewler. I think it's Hewler. Hewler. Carrie Mulligan in Maestro and Emma Stone in Poor Things. I gotta see Poor Things. I do too. That's literally like my number one movie that I'm watching next. That and the holdovers are kind of tied. And um You haven't seen the holdovers yet? No, dude, I haven't. It's on Peacock. <laughs> I know. I know. I'll get there. Don't don't you worry. Uh for directing, we have Justine Triette for Anatomy of the Fall or of a Fall, sorry. Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things and Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. Another A24 movie, I see. Yep. And we have Best Picture. Here are our nominees. Quite a few. American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and the zone of interest. That's a lot. That's a lot. There is a lot. And um, now that I've named them, what do you what do you think? Okay, so I asked you this question the other day, and we were going to wait until the podcast to talk about it. Are we jumping into you? your? Is, are we jumping into your segment? <laughs> no, no, no. This is a separate question. <laughs> this is not Beth's question today. Who do you think? Who do you want to win Best Picture, and who do you think will actually win Best Picture? Okay. For best picture, I think Barbie will win. Mm-hmm. But I think Oppenheimer. Sorry, yeah, I think Barbie Barbie will win, but Oppenheimer is the one that should get it. <laughs> I kind of think the same thing, but I do. There's a part of me that still thinks Oppenheimer might win best picture, just because it's Christopher Nolan. Yeah, like all of these movies. I mean, I haven't seen most of them yet. But like of Barbie and Oppenheimer, let's just be honest, because it's just so with everything that goes on with these things, it's more than likely going to be a showdown between those two. Yeah. Amongst uh, like all the like if 
like the bear in secession is going to be Barbie and Oppenheimer. They're basically just going to be sweeping up awards, probably. And I'm honestly kind of surprised. Not saying that it deserves to be nominated for Best Picture, but I am honestly legitimately surprised that Saltburn has not won nomination. I'm not surprised. I'm just considering like how much um, hype it, it got and like seems culturally loved from a lot, except you. But like <laughs> even as like even for like editing or like cinematography or something like that, or even music, like or soundtrack, well, whatever you want to call it. Like I'm surprised it didn't make it for any of those or screenwriting or something. It's I don't know. It's, it's competition. Well, can it be really screenwriting if he's improving everything? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I think uh, it's an ad- I think it's a s- adapted screenplay, so it could have been nominated for that, but it was not. But again, it's just him improving. If he's improving stuff that's not in the screenplay or in the source material, then is it really should it really yes. be nominated for that? That's kind of there was something that was um oh, Barbie was like getting I think it got nominated for like adapted screenplay. It and everybody's did. like but there's no actual yeah, yeah, there's no act adapted well, there's a book called Saltburn that she that the movie is based on. Yes, but I'm saying for like Barbie, there is no source material. It's a doll. <laughs> like that the source yeah. material is a non is just like the concept. It's not even yeah, like a short that, story. That I totally agree with. Yeah, it's like there's no short story, there's no um book, there's no nothing. Like there's movies that have been based off like short stories where like it's only a paragraph long. Mm-hmm. But then they made like a whole movie off of it. But even there, just like that's source material. Yeah. Barbie has no source material. It's a doll. <laughs> oh, another category I wanted to bring up was visual effects. Um, I wanted to hear your take on this. So the nominees for this uh, for visual effects are the creator, Godzilla minus one, Guardians of the Galaxy, volume three, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one and Napoleon. Uh, what do you think? Who do you think will win and who do you want to win? This is visual effects. I was like, yeah. Uh, I haven't had a chance to see the creator, but from what I have seen and what they've ex- what I've read about the behind the scenes of it, they I would say their cinematography would probably win something based off like mm-hmm. how they filmed it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're nominated for cinematography though. I don't believe so. No, so I don't think it would win visual effects. Godzilla minus one, it'll win visual. I, that's my, what I want to win because it should win. That's honestly, that's kind of also what I was leaning towards was visual effects. I thought it would be. Godzilla minus one. Yeah, because if you like the CGI as a CGI, but the, like the visual effects in Godzilla minus one, you would think they like did with miniatures or like something really, really realistic. So when there's actually there's actually a video of I think, yeah, they sent it to the group chat this video of the nominee mm-hmm. of like the visual effects team cheering when they got nominated. And I think they deserve it because my God. Mm-hmm. Because even the scenes, even stuff that isn't Godzilla, like the, yeah, you got Godzilla. That's like the main thing. But the scenes of it, like the destruction that he causes, the aftermath, the, yeah. the during the, during everything, scenes of just like, it focuses on some humans. So you're watching like human stuff. And you don't even see Godzilla and the CGI in there is immaculate. Yeah. So I think Godzilla minus one should win. Now I don't. I haven't seen Napoleon, but I'm sure Napoleon's got is like a period piece. So I'm sure it'll win for no for some reason. <laughs> yeah, and it is also uh, Ridley Scott. So yeah, so I it may win Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. I don't know why that's in here. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that's a random choice. It, um, now the the special if the if there's like a special effects 
like you know like a practical effects one they deserve that one because they got this dude actually flying like the stuff they did is real so the fact that they like are giving him a nomination yeah like giving him a nomination unless they're including that somehow in this then i would say they are a very big contender but i don't understand why because a lot of this the whole point of their stuff is that they did it for real (laughs) they threw a train off a cliff (laughs) yeah exactly that's like putting like Christopher Nolan, like putting Oppenheimer in visual effects. It's like, man, it's mainly done in like practical effects, you know? Yeah, because he did, he did blow up. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't blow up Nevada. Uh, Even no. like the particles Desert. and stuff, like that was all made with practical effects. Yeah. So, unless my understanding of what vi- they consider visual effects, if that's, yeah. if, if my understanding is skewed, then maybe I get it. But like, from my understanding of what they mean by visual effects, they mean like CGI and that kind of stuff. I, yeah. that's what I'm going for. Right. Um, anyways, we could talk about this for ages, but um, in case anyone is wondering, the awards are on March 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I think. Yeah. California. <laughs> and uh, the host is Jimmy Kimmel. So that'll be great. Oh. I don't like Jimmy Kimmel, Wait. nor do I like Jimmy Fallon. I, think I was thinking both. of Conan O'Brien. He should do it one day. I think they should get Ricky Gervais back. <laughs> never, they'll never do. They'll never do that Dude, again. It's so good. It's so funny. I love that man. Oh, he he knew out. he only had one chance. He said, "I'm going to take it." <laughs> hey, as long as they don't get what's his name, uh, J- Joe Coy from the I think it was the Emmys or the Golden Globes or whatever. Oh yeah, that was I didn't, rough. I don't know. I didn't watch it. I watched the 10 minute monologue and he honestly, I'm not going to lie. He was doing solid for like the first two minutes. And then he started making the Barbie jokes and it immediately went downhill from there. Everything was bad Yikes. after that. Like he just, he got to the point where he was defending himself and he's like, I didn't write that one. The ones that you are laughing at are the ones that I wrote. And you're like, dude, that's not helping the situation at all. You're making this super awkward. It's weird because those aren't they rehearsed <laughs> before him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, Oppenheimer is a 769 paged biopics adapted screenplay into a cinematic film. And Barbie is about a plastic doll with boobies. And it just cuts to fucking Margot Robbie with the most deadpan face. Like, and like Greta oh. Gerwig is just like, that's not the f- what the fuck the movie's about. <laughs> He did not pass the, the, the whoever wrote these jokes did not pass the Barbie test. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yikesies. Also, anyway. babies, are we in the sixth grade? I know. I was like, <laughs> ooh, like that's like the worst word you could that made me uncomfortable. Um Yikes. But anyways, are we gonna do an Oscar party this year? Probably not. I haven't watched the Oscars in like three years because they've disappointed me. <laughs> it's a week after my birthday though. You could come up and we could have a birthday slash oscar party celebration will we be getting severely drunk yes i'll get drunk with the cat i'll get i'll get drunk with soup i can't i feel bad for the cat (laughs) (laughs) okay maybe anyways maybe Maybe. we'll talk about it we'll talk about it all righty let's move on to our next shagamant which is big lou's big bruise brought to you by the man himself big lou not physically. Not physically. Spiritually. Or conceptually. Or, or figuratively. Conceptually. Or all of those at the same time. Metaphysically. 
Now, um, just a fun little mention, by the way, because we had talked about this um, in a in a guest episode with another podcast, Dream of Fantastic Dream podcast um, that we were on a while back. But there's a bar in Disney Springs called Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar, and they have all kinds of Indiana Jones themed cocktails, food and decor. So if you ever are at Disney Springs, check that out or go onto their menu and just make the drinks yourself. Um, But yeah, let's go on to our first drink of the season. I'm sorry. I got to stop you. For, there's a there's a section there for pizzas called Fräulein's flatbreads. <laughs> oh my god, Fräulein's beautiful. Fräulein. Now for our first drink for Raiders of the Lost Ark, we have the Red Raider drink. Beautiful, beautiful name, beautiful drink. Yeah, Gorgeous that's drink. Really nice. I want that's a glass. nice red. Yeah. Now this recipe came from HomeBarMenu.com, so you can find the recipe on there, and. Oh, oh, I can already tell I'm going to like this drink. Okay, (laughs) here we go. Ingredients. All right. Two ounces of bourbon. Drinker's choice. Oh, let me tell you what bourbon I suggest in case you're wondering, because this is my only area of expertise when it comes to liquor. My bourbons of choice, if you're on the cheaper side, go for a larceny. It's a nice smokier sided bourbon. If you're going for a more... um expensive taste you could try whistle pig that's a classic or widow jane that's also a classic um or weller if you're really rich (laughs) so two ounces of bourbon of your choice then you're going to add one ounce of uh how do i say that word coin true coin coin true yep never heard of it half an ounce of grenadine and three quarters an ounce of lemon juice So here's how to make it. We're going to, in a shaker with ice, add the bourbon. Oh, it's it's fucking triple sec. I'm an idiot. One ounce of triple sec, okay? And coin true, however you want to say it. I'm probably butchering it. So you're going to add the bourbon, triple sec, lemon juice, and the grenadine all into a shaker with ice. Shake the mixture vigorously for about 15 seconds to blend the flavors (laughs) and chill the ingredients. And then you're going to strain the well-mixed Red Raider cocktail into a chilled rocks glass filled with ice and garnish with a lemon twist. (laughs) Tits. Um, Sorry, Freudian slip. With ice and garnish with a lemon twist for a citrusy and visually appealing touch. That is the drink. Super simple. Super great. Super simple. I mean... Personally, I'm speaking for you. I'm not speaking for you. So what do you think? I think it's good. I like it. I I mean, I don't think I've had many bourbons, but I think this would be a good start. Yes, I think it would be great for you. I think it'd be a sweeter on the sweeter side for you since you're not a super uh, strong bourbon lover. Um, you have had bourbon. I have. It's in a four horseman. One of them is in a four horseman. Um, but I think. Wait, what's in a four horseman? Jameson? Jack, Jameson. Jack, Jameson. Jack. Oh my God. They're because all the, the, the four J's. Jameson, Jack, Daniels, Jim Beam? Jack, Jim, J- Jameson. Jose? No, that's tequila. Hmm, you're right. Wait, I literally Jack, forget the four. I Jim, forget the fourth one every single time. Um, Jack, four, Jim, Jameson. Google it. Uh, Johnny Walker. <laughs> Johnny Walker. That's right. Always Jack, forget Jim, that one. Jack, Jim, Johnny, Jameson. 
That's and it. if you really want to get crazy, the five horsemen is a Jose. Yes, that's really that seals the deal. Um, but yeah, I think this would be a good start for you. I don't know. It sounds really good. And it's very visually pleasing. I yeah. definitely I would give this a five out of five. I give this a four out of five. I think I'd like it, especially since it's sweet. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good good number, I would say. All right. Well, um, thank you, Lewis, for that. That was nice and easy. Um, hopefully they're all as good as that. I don't want a fucking grass cocktail like that one episode. <laughs> you remember that? Vegans. <laughs> you vegans, even your alcohols. Fucking grass. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. You know who doesn't drink grass? You know who's not a vegan? Actually, they might be. I don't know. But I hope not. Uh, our sponsor. <laughs> so we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor of today's episode, Shaker and Spoon. It's a monthly subscription service that gives you bar quality recipes and ingredients designed by award-winning mixologists. Their latest box, Totally Tequila, which <laughs> I'm thinking of that song. Tequila! Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, yeah that one. Uh, features incredible Tequila Blanco cocktail recipes. <clears throat> mm. If you like your very own box to drink along with us, then head on over to shakerandspoon.com and use promo code SIPS10 to get $10 off your first subscription. Again, that's promo code SIPS10. $10 off. Woohoo! You're a tequila fan, yeah? No. <laughs> No, oh, you're no. rum. Sorry, sorry, rum. I like rum. However, however, someone I was at a Christmas party. New Year's, no, sorry, I was at a New Year's party because that's why we're drinking. <laughs> and someone pulled out this uh, tequila rose strawberry cream. Oh yes, you told me about this. Yes. Oh my god, it was so good. If it, if it tasted like melted viscous cream ice cream, like it, it was strawberry Ooh. ice cream, but it was like melted, but not totally liquidy melted, but like enough for you to be like, mm, this is going down. This is not going down like a real, like real quick. <laughs> Interesting. I'll have to try it sometime. You'll have to get, you'll have to bring it. Yeah, it was so, it was so good. All right, Beth, you got a question for me? Yes. One second. Not, a, not about the Oscars. <laughs> All right. Do I have a question for you today? Are you no. ready? I have a question for you. No, I <laughs> oh, do. Um, here's my question for you. Uh-huh. We're starting off with the first Indiana Jones today, right? With Temp- uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. We also have other movies later on in the series, like Temple of Doom, Dial of Destiny, and so on, right? Uh-huh. So each Indiana Jones, it's got its own unique, like, adventurous type name. My question is, if you could choose the name for the next Indiana Jones movie, what would you choose for it? For one that already exists or my own Not plot and for story? for your own movie. It'd be like Indiana Jones and the blank. You know what I mean? Um, something, something that, you know, pretend I'm a, a, a movie person and you're pitching it to me and this, this is the title and I'm like, I can't make that. Trying to get my um, money. You to sell me right on the title. Indiana Jones and the blank. What do we got? Die hard, but an attempt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What, what? I have a great one that I thought of when I was coming up with the question. Okay. That is already, that. It's already the name of another movie, but it just, it just fits so perfectly. Romancing the stone. No, are you ready? The Sahara. Okay. Listen, <laughs> listen to this. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones and the killers of the flower moon. Okay. <laughs> are you kidding me? That's so good. Right? Come on. I mean, it, it, it's uh, not terrible. 
It's not terrible. It's better than Dial of Destiny. Okay, Dial of Destiny is the lamest fucking one of them all, in my opinion. It was very um on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh, what's the Ark? Oh, it's the Ark of the Covenant. Temple of right. Doom. Ooh, what's the, do- what's the temple? Oh, I see what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Last Crusade. Oh, what, what's the Last Crusade? Oh, it's that. Okay. Dial of Destiny. Oh, it's literally a dial. That's Destiny. <laughs> yes. So, so what would you name it then? Uh, hmm. Don't, you know, you really put me on the spot. I really can't think of something. What are you thinking? Let me hear it. What's going on in your brain? It's something like the world of the underground. Mm, the underworld. I am the Undertaker from Incredibles. The? Oh. <laughs> or the Underminer or whatever the fuck. Was the Underminer. <laughs> yeah, that's. Mm, ooh. Okay. Indiana Jones and the gods of the underworld. Too much? Maybe. Maybe. It depends on what arc a lot. It depends on like what would be underground. The gods. <laughs> <laughs> okay. God. In the shrine. Of the underworld. Eh? Tombs. Tombs of the underworld. Okay. Yeah, there is no tombs in any of these, are there? No. And the tombs of the underworld. Except See, that's better I'm... than... What? What? No, I was going to say, it's not in Egypt. <laughs> that's okay. That's the plot say, twist. It's not, it, it, it's you not... Never, they never visit Egypt. <laughs> it's actually in the Paris catacombs. Yes. Yeah. Is it tombs of the catacombs? Can you say that? Tombs of the catacombs? No, I think it's just the catacombs. The catacombs of the underworld. (laughs) As above, so below. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, as above, so below. Indiana Jones. What if it was like, uh, what's that kid's book? It was like Indiana Jones and the No Good, Very Bad Day or whatever that children's book is. It was not Indiana Jones, but I... No, but I'm saying like we put it with Indiana Jones. It's like Harry or something. It's a kid's name or something. Henry. Alexander, the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Alexander, wow, is not even close with Henry. No, Henry. All right, well, okay, so what did we land on? Tombs of the Underworld or like the... Catacombs is like too long. The Cursed Catacombs. (laughs) And the Cursed Catacombs. And the Cryptic Catacombs. No, that's terrible. Okay. Cursed Catacombs. Cursed Catacombs. And the Creepy Catacombs. (laughs) All right, this is easy. Spooky. Alrighty. Thank you for that. That's better than the curse. You can go full like horror movie and go the curse of Chernobyl. Yeah, there you go. All right. Nice. Like it. Sold. Make it. And it's just Indiana Jones getting lost in the catacombs. Hey guys. (laughs) Yeah. There's skulls everywhere. I hate skulls. Alrighty, Isaiah, what do you've got today for your facts? I have many facts, actually. I mean, it's the first one in the movie. It's like Yippee! really good. Okay. <laughs> so, in May of 1977, you might remember this fact from Star Wars when I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. That George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were hanging out on, on vacation on a beach in Hawaii. They were trying to avoid hearing the box office return of Star Wars because they were afraid mm. that it was going to be catastrophic. <laughs> right. So they were just like, okay, we're not going to deal with that. However, they decided they're going to start thinking about the next project <laughs> for some reason. And so, thus, Indy was born. Lucas and Spielberg discussed their next project. Spielberg wanted to, wanted to direct a James Bond film. But Lucas mm-hmm. pinched him the adventures of Indiana Smith. 
Oh, yikes. Gross. Nope, okay. that doesn't work. Spielberg hated the name Indiana Smith. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> but mostly because he believed the audience would think more of Steve McQueen's character, Nevada Smith, from an older Western movie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, him and a producer later on all agreed on the word Jones. So they changed his name mm. to Indiana Jones. So they wanted to kind of base him on like a James Bond kind of character. Mm-hmm. Spielberg really wanted to do a James Bond movie. <laughs> so Lucas wanted wanted Jones to be like a kung fu practitioner and like a playboy, funny his lifestyle to the spoils of his adventures, you know, something like that. But Spielberg was like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> mm. And they felt that the character needed to be more complicated. And it was already complicated enough being like an adventurer and an archaeologist. Like they didn't think the that angle was gonna be helpful. So Spielberg mm-hmm. suggested making him an avid gambler and an alcoholic there you go but lucas wanted jones to be more of a role model honest and true and trusting person mm-hmm. and they felt that jones needed to be valuable and vulnerable and be like a perhaps a little too trusting by the way yeah lucas was suggested marion have would have a romantic past with jones at the age of 11 whoa sounds like george yeah with the much older uh indiana jones and spielberg replied quote she had better be older <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. George has got a thing with these underaged people. He did that in the the prequels and um, also siblings. He's got a thing for siblings. I don't know. Now, the name Indiana comes from George Lucas's Alaskan alumnate dog. Cute. Yes, Indiana Jones is named after a dog. I love it. Now, those considered for the role of Indiana Jones. Oh boy, here we go. All right. Now, just to put it out there, these names, nobody ended up actually getting in the run of anything. This is all with like they were spitballing who could they theoretically could be the best person to do it. Yeah. So this is like their um, this is their A-list. <laughs> OK, OK, I'm, I'm ready. Bill Murray. <laughs> oh, ready. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Starting off with a banger. OK. Yeah. Nick Nolte. OK. Steve Martin. No. Chevy Chase, uh, Jack Nicholson. Okay. Would have been a choice. Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. I think a young Jeff Bridges, maybe. Maybe a young one, maybe. And then, of, and of course, the legendary Sam Elliott. Ah. Oh. A mustache. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the only other one that I could maybe actually see, you know? Yeah. Just because of his... Uh, his other roles are kind of like that Wild West kind of vibe, you know? Yeah, he's like, you think Western, I think of Kurt Russell and Tom, uh, Sam Elliott. <laughs> yeah, plus that mustache. Mm. Yes, the mustache is what really sells it. However, yeah. Lucas's wife preferred Tom Selleck. Really? Yes. Why does she get a say in it? <laughs> apparently, apparently, she's got a big say because Selleck was actually contracted. <laughs> oh, wow. They were going to, so Selleck was actually contracted and they were, they were drafting things up. They were talking with them. They're like, yeah, we want you to be part of this. However, he was also on a contract to do Magnum PI. And this was, mm. it, that was only if CBS decided to green light the show for like a full run, like a full, to make it a full TV show. So, so mm. they were working on the pilot at the time. So I Lucas see. and Spielberg asked if they could release him from his contract 10 days early so that he could film Indiana Jones. And since Tom Selleck was in high demand, CBS said, okay, I guess out of spite. We're going to greenlight Magnum P.I. Therefore, he can't play in the in Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so they let, So that may, meant they were going to not gonna have a lead. This was weeks before production. They were going to they weren't going to have a lead for, for this movie. And then 
1980 writer, 1980 writer strike happened. Oh boy. And Magnum PI was put on hiatus for three months, which would have let Tom Selleck play Indiana Jones had Harrison Ford not stepped in. <laughs> huh. So there is Ultimate a universe. Reality. Yeah. yeah, there's a universe out there with Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. Oh, good. Uh, however, there is apparently a episode of of Magnum PI where they pay homage to uh, Indiana Jones. So he wears the he oh. has the whip and the hat and everything. Huh. So interesting. Wonder how they got around that one. They probably just like made a deal. <laughs> now, yeah. they're t- the top choice to play Sala, which is um the guy in Egypt helps, that helps them. Him. Yeah, it helps and all stuff. Was Danny DeVito? Oh <laughs> no, not Danny. <laughs> uh, however, Danny couldn't do it because he had an obligation to the show Taxi. Thank God. Yeah, so uh, John Reese Davies got the role instead. Yeah, it's a good, 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 good choice. Now, Tunisia was actually used to portray Egypt in this movie, and oh, Spielberg okay. described this as one of the worst filming experiences ever. <laughs> Really? Why? Yes. The temperature was well often over 130 degrees. <laughs> oh, God. And over 150 crew members became sick with dysentery. <laughs> Jesus. Now, Spielberg was one of the few to remain healthy, actually, because he ate food and water that was brought in from England. What a rich guy. How bougie. <laughs> yeah. Must be nice. Lucas, Lucas also suffered from severe sunburn and facial swelling. Wow. Oh my God, it's the first time that this is the first time I've heard the crew having issues and injuries. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's usually the cast. Yeah. Speaking of the cast, uh, the sword fight between Indiana Jones and the sword fighter was supposed to be a full fight scene. However, Harrison Ford had food poisoning. So the reason the fight scene is so quick and he uh, he just ends up improvising him shooting the sword fighter with the gun and the scene just ending like that. That was improvised. They were just like, because Harrison Ford kept on running to the bathroom every five minutes. So they couldn't do the scene. They couldn't film the entire scene. So they're like, okay, so how are we going to cut this down? And Harrison Ford comes out and says, what if I just shoot him? Oh my God. So that's why that happens. <laughs> incredible, incredible. And there's apparently a lot of improvisation. Like there's, the script didn't have a lot of details. It was very bare bones. So a lot of stuff happens just kind of like improvised. They just kind of like wing it. Yeah, I was kind of getting those vibes sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> now, John Reese davies in a deleted scene, uh, he shit his pants in front of the whole crew while having um, 105 fever. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, they were not having a good time in Tunisia. No, no. Tunisia, what happens in Tunisia stays in Tunisia, apparently. Yes. Now, the snake room had nearly 9,000 snakes in it, which Jeez. technically most of them weren't actually snakes. They're actually called glass snakes because they're actually just lizards with no legs. Interesting. Huh. Why now, not just do snakes? Uh, Probably expensive and they wouldn't want to go over budget. <laughs> True. Also, I mean, can you get 9,000 snakes? <laughs> I didn't know you could get 9,000 glass lizards. That's true. Um, there were cobras and a few boa constrictors in there, but yeah, most of them were glass yeah. snakes. Now, to film the burning Nazi, they, mm, yes. which is one of the most iconic yes. shots It's the only scene time. I remembered as a kid. So to make it, what they did is they made a head with several layers of wax on it and then made a time lapse of it melting really fast. Yeah. Insane. That I did know that one just because that's such an iconic scene. And it's so interesting how they did it. Light her up. <laughs> yeah. They said they got it for Bath and Body Works. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
Raiders of the Lost Ark was going to get an R rating because of Belloc's head exploding. Yes. Oh, not, yeah. It was funny because like, they attributed it not, speci- not to the face melting scene, but specifically to the head exploding scene. <laughs> or, well, I, I think shot. the face melting is worse. I do too, too. I do too. I feel like the explosive one that's kind of covered with smoke and flames, you can't really see it that much, but like the melting one, it's like you're watching it. Yeah, no. The reason why it is like that, like it's hard to see, is because they were going to get an R rating. And so, oh. to get away, so to get away with a PG rating, they had to obscure it with flames. So the reason why it's so hard oh. to see is so they can get that PG Look rating. Look at that. Huh. That's funny. Yes. And then for our last fact, uh, as you know, Indiana Jones has many Star Wars references. Mm. Some of them that are very famous, but you probably didn't know. Uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO can be seen in the hieroglyphs in the Ark Room, right yes. behind Indy as he's opening the lid. I've seen that. Something I didn't realize, though, is that there's a lot of sound effects from Star Wars in this movie. Oh, really? Such as, yeah, I like, really so recognize the, the Wilhelm scream was in it, too. Yes. The sound of the plane engine, the beginning of the movie starting up, sounds mm-hmm. exactly like the sound of the Millennium Falcon engines failing in the first movie. Ah, interesting. Sound designer had a day with that. Yeah, he was like, give me everything. <laughs> yeah, give me the library. And those are all of our facts today. Nice. Very nice. I like when you actually have like a lot of them. And it tends to be with the older movies, I feel like. Lots of time pass for them to. Well, nowadays they just do everything in CGI. So it's like there's nothing cool about it, you know. Well, thank you for that. Now. Let's dive into the movie, shall we? You want to go first? Yeah, I have nothing to say about this movie. It is solid. It is Mm. a great movie. It's classic action adventure. It's a tad bit misogynistic, like just a little bit. It's kind of weird. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, But that was the time. It was the 80s, you know? It was the 80s, yeah. Uh, So it kind of skates by. It's fine. But um, it's it's solid. It's a good movie. I do think the intro is an amazing intro to like the character of you never mm-hmm. really see him. It's just him investigating things. And then eventually like, you know, he uses his whip, which oh, by the way, Harrison Ford knows how to use that. Oh, really? <laughs> he's trained. He's trained extensively on how to use a whip. Nice. That's good. So I think it's just a solid intro for to yeah. show the character. The Fair special enough. effects that, I mean, obviously the special effects are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy the way they did it. Even the even the practical effects too. Yeah, like everything is solid. It's at the top of their game. But yeah, no, that's all I got. Pretty much to say, it's four out of five. It's a pretty solid action adventure. I love I love the uh, I don't know action adventure. Like I love the adventure, the whole archaeologist finding things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like I love that genre. Like I literally have a letterbox list about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that really paved. I'm not saying it's the first. But it really paved the way for a lot to come after that. You know, you had Uncharted and Tomb Raider and um, others. (laughs) I could only think of video games for some reason. I have a list of literally called the Treasure Hunter Collection, which includes all the Indiana Jones movies, the Tomb Raider movies. National National Treasure. Treasure. Yeah, National Treasure counts. Yeah. It might be goofy, but it counts. Uh, The Mummy. The Mummy counts, too. Mm -hmm. Atlantis, the animated movie, that counts as it, too. Hmm. The Goonies. Ah, love the Goonies. The Goonies counts. Oh, there's also a movie called The Lost City of Z, which is actually like a real life one. 
Interesting. But if you have if you have seen it on Amazon Prime, I believe it is a great movie. It stars Charlie Hudman. He plays a uh, a person looking for the lost city of gold. Oh, um, but it's okay. based off like a real the real person who looked for the lost city of gold oh, in like the in like the twenties. Huh. And then uh, like the nineteen twenties. The nineteen twenties, yes. Huh. And Kumiko. Now this is one. This it's not it's not a normal one, but I just I, it's a solid movie that it just everyone should probably go see. It's called Kumiko, the Treasure Hunter, where it's about a woman who looks for the lost treasure or like the, the money that's missing in the movie Fargo. Mm. So she like watches Fargo and because the movie starts off saying it's based on a true story, she thinks that the money in the movie is actually there. So she goes, oh. she, but, she's, but she's Japanese and lives in Japan. So she's like, it's like following her life of trying to get to this money out there, huh. which that's is based on, and it's, which is funny is because that movie, that movie is also based off a true story because I mean, it's really sad. Like I yeah. won't spoil it. But it's a very sad movie. But it's also based off a true story of a real life woman who did that. Who actually thought, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's my movie recommendation. Watch Kimiko the Treasure Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Four out of five. Um, well, I also I also give it a four out of five, but I do have, I think, a little bit more to say. Um, uh, I think fucking classic. It stands the test of time. I haven't seen it though since I was a little kid. So I kind of went into the whole movie almost blind. Like I was like, I don't, I know the concept. I know scenes. I remember scenes from it, but I really didn't know all the details. Like I don't even remember the woman, Marion. I don't even remember her <laughs> being in it. I thought Short Round was in it. That's in another one, apparently. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, I think especially for the time that it came out, 1981, I believe it was iconic you know practical effects wise uh, special effects wise Harrison Ford was kind of like new and upcoming and so having him be the star was a great choice um he he kind of plays that suave character very well so uh I thought about it too when I was watching the movie I was like you know when you really think about it it the concept of this story is insane but yeah. it works <laughs> on paper it I don't understand. I can totally get why the producers were like, no fucking way that we're going to put this out. But I guess it's kind of also how Star Wars went, too. And that worked out great. We all know how that came out. So. George Lucas is good at making some crazy ideas work. I don't know how he does it. Um, I think I so I don't remember the movies being as comical as they were. Um, and like. Sometimes it worked. Other times it was a little bit cringy. I'm not going to lie. But it was like yeah. 80s sense of humor, I guess. I don't know. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I think Marion was annoying as hell. Oh, my God. It was like every other thing Indy. she said was just Indy. I was like, oh, <laughs> your voice is so shrilling. Shut up. I was like, can you do anything like they really kind of fell flat with her character because they made like her first initial scene that she's in they really made her seem like this woman who could handle herself and like didn't need a man to save her and was like this strong female character and then she just kind of turned into like a nagging damsel in distress for the most part i mean she held up her own like when she was in the plane kind of you know mm -hmm. she like was shooting people and stuff but still was like andy i was like oh my god just Stop talking for two seconds, please. <laughs> um, and then 
I there was once so the scene where they're in like the bar in the beginning of the movie and they're fighting. They first find Marion and stuff and in Indiana Jones shows up and everything in the Germans. I realized during that fight scene, they just did not put any music in. And it was very jarring to me. Like, it oh, just, really? yeah, it felt really weird because like all the rest of the fight scenes, there's music. But during the entire fight scene in the bar, it's just sound effects. It was very odd. It was a very odd choice. And I'm curious if they did that on purpose. I mean, obviously they did it on purpose, but like, I'm curious what the reasoning was behind it because they didn't do that throughout the rest of the movie. Like I would have been, it would have made sense if every fight scene was like that, just to really make you feel like in the moment or something. But it's just like a one-time thing. So just something I noticed and I was like, well, that's odd. Um, but yeah, I give it a four out of five. It's a, I mean, yeah, like you said, there's really not much to say about it. It's just a solid movie. I like solid movies. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up today's episode? All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to today's episode and welcome to season 16. Uh, please feel free to send in any movie suggestions you'd like us to watch and review for any upcoming listeners episodes that we're having. If you don't follow us, oh, you can send those suggestions in at silverscreensips at gmail.com. And if you don't follow us already, then be sure to follow us on Instagram as well. So you can get any and all updates regarding the show. And we will see you next week with the tombs of the underworld. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. The Temple of Doom. We'll see you there.